found it about two weeks ago, and I just, I just knew that there was something in that that, that I had to launch off. And I didn't want to kind of end with it as a big ending, but I thought, actually, let's just set this now, um, that, that Jesus is that rock. And I'm going to kind of dive into um, the passage. We're, we're talking about life wins or, 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 or um, you know, a winning life. And um, it's my job this morning to talk about the, one of the last bits Jesus does in the Sermon on the Mount, and that is uh, to talk about life-winning foundations. How do we find our life or, or found our life? And Jesus tells this parable, which you've got your Bibles, and we're going to read it together. And it starts off in uh, Matthew chapter 7. And we're going to Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Uh, Jesus is, is, is rounding up the, the Sermon on the Mount. He's just about to finish. This is his landing strip, if you like. This is where everything comes together. This is the climax of everything he's about to say. And Jesus says this, Anyone who listens to my teaching... And follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. And when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike their teachers of religious law. This is a really famous parable. It's probably one of the, 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 the most well-known of Jesus' parables. Um, it's actually one of the few parables that is immortalized in children's song. Um, I don't know, I'm, I'm not going to do a show of hands, but how many of you remember singing this cross-legged in your school hall with a really out-of-tune piano? And that was in secondary school. Um, but, but it's the song I remember singing in school. And I remember singing it on Tuesday nights in a little chapel in Pontypool. And, and it, it becomes so ingrained as a, as a song and as a nursery rhyme that a lot of people don't realize it's from the Bible. A lot of people don't realize it's there. They don't realize that, that this is something that Jesus said. This is a principle Jesus wanted to put in place. And this, this parable, this earthly story with a heavenly meaning, um, to be put into song because it appears as a climax to Jesus' big sermon. This is, this is how he is ending. This is how he, he is winding, winding up. But, but why does a story about a careful builder and a cowboy builder make it here? Well, Jesus was a builder. Um, Mark 6, 2, it says that, the, that Jesus is talking and people say, is this not the carpenter? And when you look at that Greek, the Greek is tekton. And, and the, the, the word tekton doesn't mean someone who just uses wood. It actually says one who uses various materials, wood, stone, and metal. And there's every reason to believe that Jesus would have been skilled in using wood and metal. He would have worked on construction sites. I'm convinced of it. Um, he, he would have known something about building. He would have known about how to build things. And, and Jesus is standing on this hill, probably looking out at the buildings and the houses around him. And he uses a parable that, peop- that the people will relate to. Why? Because he's interested in them. He, he will use any angle he can to relate to the people around him, to relate to the situation he's in. And in this parable, he uses this metaphor because it's something that everyone will get. Everyone will understand because they would have been in that position. We didn't have Bovis in the first century. We didn't have Persimmon, praise the Lord. Um, we didn't have Barrett's. You built your own. And if you didn't build your own, you stayed with your mother-in-law. And that was it. 
So Jesus knew about this process of building a house. You know, I watched a documentary about how they've put um, steelwork together last night. It was riveting. (laughs) Take your time. Take your time. But something everyone knows about building is, is when you build something, the bottom has to be sturdy. The base, the foundation, it has to be sturdy. Uh, and Naomi loves building Duplo. She loves building and popping things on, on top of everything, and she kind of puts everything on top of each other. And eventually, what's going to happen? It's going to collapse. See, what she doesn't understand yet is the strength of her tower is based on the foundation. It's based on what it's built on. The, str- the strength of a house is dependent on the foundations. The strength of our spirituality, our spiritual life, is based on our foundations it's based on what we're building it on and this parable is intentionally placed by both Matthew and Luke when you look at Luke's account he puts it in exactly the same place at the end of the the sermon on the plain and it's part of this larger sermon where Jesus is saying listen this is how you live your lives and it's there is this climax where Jesus says right enough of what I've said what are you going to do this is Jesus' own version of an application. I've had my time talking about all this stuff. Now it's down to you. What are you going to do about it? Because if you think about the last couple of weeks, we've talked about culture. We've talked about relationships. We've talked about finances. And Jesus is saying about, you know, there's, there's a distinction and there's a difference between what's going on on the outside and what's going on on the inside because Jesus isn't concerned about what you're doing. He's concerned about why you're doing it. He's concerned about what is underneath. He's concerned with the foundation. So you ask a child to do something. How many people know you can't really tell what they're thinking while they do it? You know, are they, are they doing it just to genuinely please you? Or are they doing it because you've told them to? Are they, are they doing it because if they don't do this, this will happen? Or are they doing it, in Naomi's case, because they usually want something? You can't always tell what the internal motive is. You can't always tell what the the monologue is going on in their head. They're just doing it. And and that's what Jesus wants to get to the bottom of in this whole sermon. He's he's talking about not what you do, but why you do it. What's your motive? What's the root cause? How is your internal affecting your external? How is the thing you you can't see affecting the things you can see? And so he leads us to this place of talking about this parable of the builders. And this is his point. What is going on under your surface? What is going on in your foundation? The foundation is, is, is the part of a house you cannot see. Once it's laid, it's done, it's in there. You can't see it. But everything else is built on it. Every, the strength of everything else is built on it. And, and it has to be intentional, I believe, with everything I am, that the Bible was put together intentionally. And, and because right before this, Matthew puts the illustration of the tree And he says that you can judge a good tree by what it produces. You judge whether a tree is good by its fruit. You judge whether a tree is healthy by its fruit and its foliage. But do you know what makes a tree strong and healthy? The roots. If the roots are great, the tree is strong. If the roots are bad, the tree is bad. If if the uh, the foundations of a house are right, the house will stand firm. And that, that's, the, that's the crux of this parable. But I want to take us a bit deeper this morning and, and I hope just glean a little bit more from what this parable is saying and then how we can apply it. Um, the first thing I want you to see is, is there are parallels in the parable. Lots of Jesus' parables contain parallels where if you, if you took them apart and put bits of it side by side, you would see a really, really clear 
parallel. I think we've got it on the next, uh, next one. Yeah, there we go. So I've just tried. Jesus is repeating essentially the same thing, but changing his phraseology, changing his wording to make his point. See, firstly, we've got the person who listens and the person who hears. The person who follows and the person who doesn't obey. The person who builds on rock and the person who builds on sand. And then a house that collapses and a house that doesn't collapse. So do you know there's a difference between hearing and listening? I'll say it again for those who weren't listening. Do you know there's a difference between, those, between hearing and listening? See, Hannah's always complaining, I never listen. I'm sure she does. I'm sure that's what she's saying. Um, but, but I don't mind telling you this morning that I am, I am the worst for hearing and not listening. Genuinely. I don't mind admitting I get distracted. I, 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 and, and Hannah will be talking away and, and my mind can be elsewhere. Um, I'm thinking of an email I need to reply to or uh, something I need to write or, or I'm reading an article or sometimes I'm just on Twitter. Um, but I'm hearing, but I'm not listening. Uh, and there are times when I miss it and something will happen. Hannah will say something and I'll miss it and I'll have to ask Hannah to repeat it. And that's, you know you've lost. Um, but the worst thing I do is, is I develop this, this, this way of backtracking and going, Han, can you just, can you just say that again? Because I heard it, but I just want to work that through in my head. Um, and then she just says, I asked you to put the kettle on. Can I suggest there are times we hear the voice of God, but we miss it because we're not listening? Can I suggest we hear the cries of our community, but we miss it because we're not listening? So you might go to work or school or college tomorrow, and you might well hear the cries of broken people. But if you're not listening, you'll miss out on an opportunity to bring hope and to bring life, and to bring peace, and to bring comfort, and to bring Jesus into their situations. Because to, to hear just happens. Our ears pick up vibrations in the air, and they turn it into the sound. That, that, that's what happens. It's natural. It's a system God put in place. To listen is intentional. To listen is an intentional act. It's something we have to choose to do. It's something we have to engage our brains and, and, and focus on. And in this parable, both people hear the word. They both get the same word, but one listens. One person takes it in. And because that one person takes it in, he's the one that follows. And the word we have, the word we have from Jesus is here. It's in our Bible. And when we listen to it, when we take it in, when we're intentional about it, we can follow it. James 1 uh, says that we should interact with the Bible as much as we can. If we want to follow this Bible, we need to, we need to get into it. Um, it says this, whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Whoever looks intently, that's about reading. That's about reading your Bible, looking intently and continuing in it. Reviewing your Bible, studying it, getting into it, remembering the Bible, not forgetting it. I don't know who remembers. I remember Tuesday nights in, in Pontypool, we used to have a, a memory verse. They, they used to stick up on a piece of card and we used to say it and then they'd cover words up. Anyone else do that? I'm all right. But then it's not enough to do the three. 
You can read, you can review, you can remember, but the, the, the key thing is here is James says, but doing it. You can read it, you can review it, you can remember it, but what you have to do is you have to respond to it. You have to take it further. And if you never apply the Bible to your life, then you have missed the point. You've missed it. Rick Warren says this, that you only believe in the part of the Bible you actually do. You only believe the part of the Bible you actually do. Someone else said this, a profession of faith without an expression of faith means no possession of faith. A profession of faith without an expression of faith means no possession of faith. You don't have what Jesus has for you if you're not expressing it. There's a difference between believing what Jesus said and doing what Jesus said. Chuck Swindle gave a great rewording of this parable. I'll I'll read it because it's longer than I can remember. But a, a dad goes to work for the day. And he goes into his two children. He says, guys, your rooms are a mess. Your rooms are an absolute state. I'm, I'm, I'm going now, but when I come back later, you, you need to get these rooms tidy. Okay, is that all right? Right, I'm going now. See you later. Love you. Bye. And he goes out to work. And when he comes back, so nine, ten hours later, not only are their rooms still a state, they've invited people over. And he says, guys, what happened? So they said, well, Dad, we thought about what you said, and we liked it. We thought it was good. We thought it was good news. So we invited our friends around to talk about it. And we told them about this good news, clean our rooms. And then we had a big meeting about how great a clean room would be. And and we waved flags and we waved dusters and we sang the Shake and Vax song. And then we decided we needed to understand it a bit more. So we, we got into small groups and we studied the word. What did you mean when you said you were coming back soon? What did, what does tidy really mean? Whose room is it anyway? Is it my room? Is it it my brother's room? So what we did was we decided we'd pray and we'd fast that mum would come and do it for us. Do you get the point? The point is they heard their command, but they found every holy way possible to avoid doing it. They, they, They agreed with it. They believed in it, but they weren't prepared to do it. See, the builder knew what he had to do. A builder knew he had to dig down. He knew he had to dig down to the rock, but he didn't do it. He knew the principle. He knew the right thing to do, but he chose an easier way. I love the message version of this parable, and this seriously doesn't pull any punches. It says this, if you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who who built his house on solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved the house. It was fixed to the rock. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you are like a stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach. When a storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. See, Jesus is making a distinction between those who listen and follow and those who hear and ignore. Those that listen and do are building on something solid. Those that don't, a building on sand. Colossians 2 says, that don't let anyone uh, capture you with empty philosophies or high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking, that comes from the, the spiritual principles of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God. And, and I want to pause for a moment, and, and I wonder why Jesus said sand. 
I believe, again, I've said, I'll say it again, that, that, that everything Matthew puts down is intentional. Matthew is, is, is the, the gospel of detail. And Matthew makes sure he wants to get every detail right. So he, he writes down that Jesus says sand. Luke doesn't. Luke just says no foundation. But Matthew says sand. And, but why not mud? Why not grass? Why not, considering where Jesus is, why not on the dung heaps on, outside the, the, the southwestern walls of Jerusalem? Why sand? So he got me looking into sand, and, and I asked the question, well, what, what, is, what is sand? And the dictionary says this, that sand is a loose, granular material that results from the disintegration of rocks. A loose, granular material that results from the disintegration of rocks. See, Jesus says, build on the rock. But sand is, is rocks that have been broken down. Sand is rocks that have been disintegrated. Sand is rocks that have been eroded, worn down, broken up. And, and if the rock is the word of God, then maybe sand is the bits that we've chipped off. The bits that we've eroded away. The bits that we've made a bit smoother because they, they just feel a bit rough around the edges. And, and what we get with sand is this watered down broken version of, of rock that it's no co coincidence that in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says six times he appears to correct the law. Because this is what he's coming back to, this, this thing that's solid that you've eroded away. And he uses the same phraseology, you've heard it said, but I say. And, and Jesus obviously feels there's something inadequate in, in, in how God's word is being expressed because they were teachers who were taking these important parts of God's word and they were interpreting it wrongly. And the interpretations Jesus attacks, they call them the, the six antitheses. Um, and, and they're all about actually limiting personal responsibility. Jesus is saying, you, listen, you can't just say, I'm going to follow God and still do what I want. Jesus is, is, is attacking those who make excuses, those who minimize the impact of God's word on their life. So when rock is watered down to, to sand, it becomes unstable. It can take any shape. It's not set. It, it's almost fluid. And when you ask, add water, it might hold its shape for a while. But, but to get any sense of permanency, you need to add cement and, and, and all sorts to, to, to get it to stick. On its own, sand is just something that will take the shape of anything it's put into. Sand is something that will take the shape of any culture it's put into, of any attitude it puts into. And, and are we building our houses on foundations that, that, are, that are solid, or are we building our houses on foundations that change depending on what mood we're in, depending on what culture we're in, depending on what the world tells us? Because I know for me, I want to build my house on a rock. I want to build my house on something that's steadfast, that won't creak or crack, that, that doesn't bow to the pressures of the outside culture, that, that won't be moved, that can't be eroded or worn down, that never changes, is always constant, always consistent. The word of God. That when a storm hits, I can stand firm. That when all this is over, as Elton John famously said, I'm still standing. See, if you notice, a storm hits both houses. I don't know if you clocked that in the parable. The guy doesn't build his house on the rock and nothing happens. A storm hits his house as well. Uh, we are not immune to storms. 
Okay, whatever God TV might tell you, we don't know what storms are going to come into our lives in the next year or two. But, but what I do know is we'll crumble when the tough times come if we're building our life on anything other than God's word. A storm hits both houses. And Habakkuk has this, this incredible refrain that it's actually a song. But he says this, and I love this. He says, though the cherry trees don't blossom and the strawberries don't ripen, though the apples are worm-eaten and the wheat fields stunted, though the sheep pens are sheepless and the cattle barn's empty, happy days, I'm singing joyful praise to God. I'm turning cartwheels of joy to my Savior God. I am counting on God's rule to prevail. I take heart and I gain strength. I run like a deer. I feel like I'm king of the mountain. What an incredible profession of faith. Even though all this is going on, I'm singing praise to God. Do we have that sort of foundation? Do we have these spiritual foundations that... That when the storms hit, or we are standing on the rock, that means we can be sure-footed. It means we can be, be, be stable in every trial, in every season. We can still declare, I will praise him. No matter what this storm has taken from me, I always have a reason to worship. See, the thing the wise and the foolish man had in common is they both heard the word. They both built something. They both built a house. And they both went through a storm. That's the parallel. But what separates them is what they built their houses on and the attitude they built them in. And then after this parable, we have have several stories of Jesus healing that I want to hover over for a minute. Um, And just, I haven't got long before before I close. I just want to come to this. Um, At the end of this parable, Jesus Jesus says the parable and they say, who is this that he, he speaks with so much authority? It says they were amazed at his teaching. And there's something about not only Jesus' words being highlighted here, but actually Jesus' authority. And Jesus goes on, and the first thing that happens after this parable is he sees a man with leprosy. And a man with leprosy says, Jesus, if you are willing, you, you can make me clean. And Jesus heals him. And, and, and the, the, what I love about this, it's like, if you are willing, if you will, and it it's a call on authority, if you will. I don't believe, that, you know, if, if, if you can, but if you will. You have the authority to do it. Will you take it? And Jesus heals him and says, I believe you have the power. And, and Jesus speaks and says, I will. And it's Jesus speaking his authority over it. He moves on and sees a Roman, a Roman official who says, Jesus, my, my servant is ill. He's dying in bed. But I know you have the authority do you have the authority and your word is enough because i'm this this roman was building his faith and and everything he had his foundation on jesus word and his authority see a storm hits both people a storm of leprosy and a storm of illness but their foundations were strong because they were built on jesus word and jesus authority i could give you story after story where, where jesus has either healed or changed someone's life with with just a word but a word spoken in authority. Uh, you've got the woman at the well, Lazarus, the woman with the issue of blood, Legion, the woman who's about to be stoned for adultery, Zacchaeus. None of these people Jesus touched, but he changed their lives with a word. He changed their lives with a word spoken in authority. And I've just come back from, from AOG conference up in Bradford, and one of the speakers 
was Chris Hodges. He's a, he's a pastor in Alabama. Um, and genuinely, if you get a chance to, to check out some of his podcasts, he was phenomenal. And I, I don't exaggerate that. He was, he was excellent. But in one session, he was, he was writing about a book he'd wrote and written on Daniel. And, um, and it was so profound that, that when I went back to the hotel that night, I thought, I've, I've got to put this in here and, and flesh this out a bit more because it really spoke to what, what I was talking about. And when you've got the story of Daniel, you've got four friends who are, who are torn from their home, torn from their lives, uh, carted off to be slaves in Babylon. And when they're in Babylon, what they're expected to do is they're expected to be like the Babylonians. Everything in their culture, everything they built their lives on, was, they were trying to rip it away and make them act like the Babylonians. They were, at, they were expected to eat and drink what the Babylonians ate and drank. They, were, they weren't allowed to pray to God. And they were given new names. Names that, that took away their identity. See, Daniel in the Hebrew is God is my judge. Belteshazzar, which is the name they changed Daniel's name to, says this, lady who protects the king. See, not only is there an attack on who Daniel is, there's also an attack on his gender, which I find fascinating. But there's something, they, they try to change who Daniel is. Daniel, God is my judge. Lady who protects the king. Hananiah's name is, is Yahweh has been gracious. He's changed to Shadrach, which means I'm afraid of God. Yahweh has been gracious to me. Now I'm afraid of God. Mishael, uh, the rough translation is who is like God? Who is as great as God? There's, there's a confidence there in the name. Meshach means I am despised. I am humiliated. We've gone from confidence to cowardice. Azariah, Yahweh has helped me. Yahweh has delivered me. Abednego, I'm a servant of Nebo, which was one of the Babylonian gods. And it's incredible how, talk about a storm. To not only have your life ripped away from you, but they, they attack something of who these people were. But as far as we know, these four men stood firm. They didn't bow to any other words. They didn't bow to any other authority. They, they stood firm on the rock. We sang, and it was intentional this morning, we sang, I am who you say I am. The name you have given me, the name you call over me, what you speak over me, I am those things, and I'm not going to let anyone change those names. And because they stood firm, because they held their ground, because they weren't shifting, what it did is it changed the culture of the nation. And I'm, I'm convinced it's the acts of Daniel and, and, and his four friends that, that kickstart the release of the captives. We can't change your culture. We can't change you. We can't make you shift. So go home. I'm convinced of it. And then fast forward 400 years and we get the disciples who get into a boat to cross the lake. And what happens? A storm hits their boat. And what do they do? They panic. Lord, we're going to drown. And where was Jesus when this storm was raging? Fast asleep. Why? Do you think he knew who he was? Do you think he knew the authority he could sleep in? 
I don't need to worry about this. I'm not bothered because I know the authority I've got. I know the authority that I live in. Jesus knew who he was. And he gets up, and, and we need to understand this, because Jesus wasn't kind of stomping around the boat, slapping the waves, kind of going, get down, get down, get down. He just, he just get up, he just stands up. Oi, stop it. Literally. Um, the, the word that the, the Bible uses is he rebukes. Now, to rebuke is to express sharp disapproval. It's a correction. It's a warning. So here we have Jesus in the middle of the storm using his words to display his authority. Oi, stop it. And the waves stop. And what do the disciples say? Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? And I want to ask this morning, it's, it's a simple question and it may be a harsh question. Where's your faith? What's your foundation? What is your life built on? So you might not be a follower of Jesus this morning. And, and, and I want to ask if I can, what, what are you building your life on? Is it built to last? Is your life built on, on your career or your job? Or is it built on your relationship? Is it built on your finances? What happens to you when that is swept from under you? What happens to you when that is carried away? What are you left with? Now that could happen to any one of us in this room. But those of us that know Jesus know that we have a solid foundation that we stand on. See, when you're in a storm, and, and, and you will be, storms will hit all of us. Two things will happen depending on what you're standing on. Either you'll be standing on sand and the waves will break you. Or you'll be standing on a rock that breaks the waves. Either you'll be standing on sand and you'll allow the waves to break you. Or you'll be standing on a rock that breaks the waves. So when Jesus is talking about a house, it's a metaphor for your life. The man who built his house, his life on a rock. And what Jesus is saying here is, is build your life on me. Let me be the foundation. Let me be the rock that, 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 that holds you. And I will be still here and I will hold you when the storms hit. Can I urge you this morning, if you don't know Jesus, that you would place your trust in him. Jesus, who, who makes the darkness tremble. Jesus, the, the name above all names. Jesus, the one that even the wind and the waves obey him. Shall we pray? Let's use this morning as a, as a rededication. Let's use this morning as a, as a resetting of our foundations. Because we all have times when we, when we move away from that. And, and sometimes it's just about saying, God, I want to build my life on your foundation again. But if you don't know who Jesus is, I'm just going to invite you to say this prayer. And he just says this, Jesus, I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong in my life. Would you forgive me? And would you help me to, to build a new foundation on who you are? Allow me to build my life upon your word, upon your love, 
upon your mercy. God, thank you that you offer me forgiveness, that you offer me a place to set my feet. You offer me a table to come and eat at. And I receive that gift. Please come into my life. Amen. Just while every head's bowed and and we're still in this moment of prayer, if if you said that prayer, um, we'd love to, to meet with you. We'd love to connect with you. We'd love to kind of take that journey further. Um, but if, if that was you would you just, just slip your hand up very very quickly so I can see it fantastic thank you that's great I'm just going to hold this moment for anyone else we talked about those four phases you can, you can hear the word you can take it in but there's a step of faith that says, okay, I'm going to go forward now. I'm going to push forward. Is there anyone else? Fantastic. You know, I know God's having, a, God's having a party right now. God is having a party because someone decided to set their, their feet right on who he is. For the rest of us, let's just spend a moment just in our own prayers. God, we're sorry for the times we've allowed our names to be changed. We're sorry for the times we've allowed who you say we are to be questioned. God, we stand knowing that we are exactly who you said we are. We live in that promise. And we choose today to reset our foundations, to turn the sand into stone to turn the, 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 the rubble and the ruin into the rock. God, would you help us this morning to build our lives on you, to build our lives on your strong foundation that will not be shaken, that will not be stirred, that when the storms come, we will still be standing.